The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us, our services are Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We would love for you to be our guests. We hope you consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting the donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Hey, what's up, ACF? My name is Brian, and I am one of the pastors here. Glad that you're here. If you're new, welcome uh, to ACF, and uh, welcome to springtime in Alaska. So uh, lots of transition, as I said earlier, going on, people coming and going. Uh, man, I encourage you, stick around after church, meet somebody you don't know. We always say this, if you've been here for two weeks, you are part of the family. If you're like waiting, like you have to sign a card or something like that that says like I'm part of the ACF family, nope. If you're here for two weeks, you're part of the family. So uh, own this place, lean in, get to know some people, and, uh, and stick around. There's, I think there's great things coming this summer. So um, we are in a series called Blind Spots. As we're walking through this letter written by a man named Paul to this really young church in a place called Ephesus. Which is, uh, which is modern-day Turkey now. And uh, he's, he's writing to these people to remind them of who they are in Christ. And he's talking to them about, about their identities. And so the, the theme through this whole series has been, who are we? How do you define yourself? If I asked you who you are, what would you use to determine that and to define yourself? And so we want to we go to the Bible and ask God as, as the highest authority on us, who are we? And how do you define us? And then gain our identity from him, and so uh, we're gonna we're gonna I think get into your kitchen a little bit today um, as we dig into this. One thing I love about going through a book of the Bible is it forces us to deal with topics that maybe otherwise we wouldn't deal with um, because we're just kind of walking through this section by section. And, and so let me ask you a question: Have you ever felt like an outsider? Have you ever felt like you don't fit in? Like this isn't where I'm supposed to be? In fact, maybe you're new here right now, and you're like, "Yeah, I feel that right now." Like my wife and I sat in the parking lot and, and tried to decide, are we even going to go in today? Because you, there's just the weirdness of going to church and walking into this place and there's this community. It seems like people know each other or, you know, for maybe some of the people in this room, uh, you left church a long time ago because you'd always felt like this wasn't a place for you. You could never really connect with those like happy, shiny church people, you know, that always had everything together. And, you know, oh, yeah, she always looks like she's, you know, happy with her kids. And there's three little children. And, you know, there's not stuff on their shirts like my kids. And it seems like, you know, they're always taken care of. Or, you know, that guy over there who seems like his life is all together and mine, I know, is not. And so we find ourselves comparing uh, ourselves to other people. And then we, we feel like we don't really fit in. Um, or maybe you had a church experience that caused you to not feel like you were part of of the family. Uh, my wife and I, we were in uh, Kona, Hawaii. Ever, anybody ever been to Kona? One of a few of you guys been to Kona? Amazing, isn't it? Ah, uh, Kona is so nice. I just want to go back right now. But we went on a family vacation, and we're in Kona, Hawaii. And uh, one of the things we love doing when we're on vacation is actually going to church and not having to do anything. Uh, so that's really nice when you're in ministry and, and Sundays, like a, it's, a, it's a busy day, it's a work day, you know, and uh, to go on vacation and to just sit in a church. So we went to this church in Kona, went into the, to the building, they had pews, remember old school pews, like the wooden pews, not even the padding on the pews. I mean, these people were hardcore Christians, right? No, no padding on the pews. We sat down and, and we just sat in, in a row, we picked a spot. And this, this uh, elderly woman comes, she walks by us and kind of 
looks at me out of the corner of her eye. She walks by us again, looks at me again, and I'm like, I know what's going down here. And because uh, I'm like, we're in her seat. And so she, she walks back and forth, walk back and forth, and then she comes by with her friend, and she says very loudly, well, I don't know where we're going to sit this Sunday. I guess somebody didn't realize that this is our row. And, and my wife and I, we're just like cracking up because we totally get this. I'm sure like this lady is a faithful member of the church. I'm sure she's been around forever and she loves people. But like we messed with her, her Sunday morning routine, right? And some of you get this, right? Some, some of you right now, somebody's in your seat and you're like, yeah, I'm a little ticked off. Uh, like I'm totally thrown off today because like I go for this seat and I had to move over a seat. And now, like, my whole Sunday's messed up. I, I get that feeling. For her, like, we messed it up. And if we weren't, if we weren't Christians and, like, if, I, if I'm not a pastor and I was just somebody visiting that church, I would have been like, you know, forget this. I don't ever want to go back to this place, you know. And it's so funny. She was, like, on the prayer team at the end up front. Um, anyway, so it was fine. It was just one of those experiences where I'm like, I, I feel okay with this because I can kind of relate and I totally get that. You know, maybe she just didn't, didn't get how that felt for somebody else. But some of you, you know that feeling, and, and you've felt that before. Or maybe you've been the person that said something or done something that's made somebody else feel like an outsider, like they don't connect with you or belong with you. And we, we live in a society that thrives on, on, on determining whether you're in or out, right? Even, even like the industries that exist and, and the market that exists, like, like Apple. Apple brand, their whole brand is about a lifestyle and about being part of this Apple family. And what they sell is not computers, they sell a community. That's what they're selling. So like you don't think they put that little Apple thing, that Apple logo on the back of the computer just to be like a nightlight, right? I mean, the whole point is, is to, to brand so that you know like, hey, like we're part of this Apple family. So there's, there's, there's either Apple people or everybody else, right? There's Apple or there's all those other people. There's nothing in between. And so that's what they sell. They create a felt need and then they meet the need and then they put you over here on the outsider column until you get what they have. And so I don't know if you've ever felt that, but we're going to talk a little bit about what it feels like to be pushed on to the outside and to feel like, like we're not part of the family and what it's like when we're the ones doing the pushing. Because sometimes we do that, and some of you uh, don't even realize it. Some of you don't even know that you're doing it. You're just like the lady in the church, and you don't really know that what you say and what you do and how it communicates uh, this to people around you. And so um, Paul is going to talk a little bit about, uh, about this segregation that was happening in the church. And now segregation is, uh, is a big topic today, isn't it? I mean, this is all over the news. It's a big issue happening in our world today, especially racial segregation and, uh, and how that affects us. And I don't know if you realize this, but we live in a really diverse community. Like Anchorage is really diverse. In fact, when we first moved here, my wife and I, we, uh, we, we went to a restaurant, and I sat down. It was our first week here, and I realized there were three different languages being spoken at three different tables around us in Anchorage. And I'm like, where are we? What is this place? And I want you to take a look at the statistics of Anchorage real quick. Um, this is what Anchorage looks like. Um, when it comes to race, we've got, you know, this large percentage of white, but we've got a lot of other um, demographics represented. It's, it's very diverse. In fact, if you didn't know this, uh, there's an area called Mountain View, as you go into Anchorage, that is the most diverse place in the nation, which is really interesting. And so, and then I looked up Eagle River, and I wanted to find out, like, what, is, what does Eagle River look like? Because as, as I look at our church, 
And as you look at ACF Church, you might be like, ACF kind of needs a tan, right? I mean, we got some white people at ACF Church, right? That's just, that's a lot of our community, right? We've got a little bit of a mix, but mostly white. And I realized uh, as I looked it up that Eagle River is actually 85% white. That's, uh, that's just the community that we live in. And I would say that we kind of represent that fairly well. Um, but in some cultures, in some parts of the country, um, the church can be the most segregated place in a city. Do you know that? Like, like in some areas, especially if you come from the south, that, that you've experienced this where like there is some serious holdover of segregation within the church. And, and if you talk to anybody, um, you're going to get a different answer as to whether this is getting better or worse. Like if I showed a, had a show of hands, some of you would be like totally getting worse. I think, uh, I think we're struggling with this. Others of you would think that, you know, we're doing better. But um, I was wrestling with this and I found this quote. Uh, from a study that was happening at Cornell University. And uh, this man said this. He says, while segregation from neighborhood to neighborhood, micro-segregation, he calls it, is decreasing within metropolitan areas, suburban communities increasingly are becoming really uh, racially homogenous. That's macro-segregation. One of our major findings is that suburban communities are becoming more segregated from each other. Cities and communities, not just neighborhoods, matter. So what he's saying there is that although some neighborhoods are becoming more, uh, more racially diverse, the entire city itself is actually becoming less diverse. And so he's saying that it's funny, in some places you're going to see that it looks like it's getting better, but in a lot of ways it's also getting worse. And there's still this, this real separation that's happening uh, in the world around us. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to ask you, like, what squeezes out of your soul? Just do kind of a personal inventory for me. What comes out of your soul when you see things like the Ferguson riots on the news? Like what squeezes out of your soul when you see maybe like a homeless person on the side of the road? What squeezes out of your soul when you see a young person that doesn't dress the way that you think they should dress, right? Or what squeezes out of your soul when you see, you know, an elderly person going 45 on the Glen, right? What comes out of you in that moment when you see somebody who's different acting in a certain way that you don't approve of, a way that you don't like? Like, what comes out of you? And I want, I want you to just deal with that a little bit today, if you could, and just be honest. And the whole point this morning, and I love that video that we just watched, because in the middle of it, she says, she goes, that's our comment. That's our comment. So they're sitting in, in this, this box of balls, which has been a while since I've sat in a ball pit. And I love that there's people from different backgrounds and stuff using this kind of silly, stupid thing, like a bunch of balls, as a, as a way to break down some walls so that they can sit together and ask real questions and find out what's their common. For the one woman, woman she said MS, right? She got MS, and it, and it totally pulled the rug out from underneath her in her life. And the other girl was like, hey, that, my grandma had that. And so in that moment, they're like, that's our common. That's the thing that connects us. And I want to I tell you this morning, I believe that Jesus is our common. I believe that Jesus can be our common. Now, for some of you, he's not. For some of you, you, you don't really uh, have a relationship with Jesus right now. Or for others of you, you have a relationship with Jesus, but he does not bring you unity and, and connection with people who are different than you. He hasn't really done that work in your life. And I'm asking God to do that in our church today. I'm asking if, if he hasn't done that in you yet, that today would be the day. Because I believe this is the case. Jesus is the glue that brings solidarity out of segregation. I believe Jesus is the glue that brings solidarity, connection, out of segregation. And I want you to imagine for a minute. Imagine that uh, what if 
all of your biases and all of any kind of discrimination that's come out of your heart and all of your preferences and struggles, what if, what if those things weren't so much about the skin of people as much as they are about your soul? Like, what if there's a deeper issue going on inside of you and inside of the world around us that has less to do with the color of our skin or our, our social economical status and has more to do with our souls? I think that I think the problem uh, uh, of getting people together and of integration can maybe be solved as we find our identities in Christ. So can we pray together as we ask God to do that today? Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you that, uh, God, we have a room full of people from all different places. And, uh, God, that we, we have all come from different backgrounds. Now, whether we have the, the same color skin or uh, maybe we've got a similar job, God, we, we all have big differences and, and vast, um, vast separations between us, God. And somehow we can be under a roof today. And we can come together and say, God, would you speak to us? Would you challenge and grow our hearts? God, could we love you and love people a little bit more today as we leave this church? And God, I ask that you would solidify that work in us, convict us, and, and bring things to life that we didn't even know existed. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you have a Bible, you can open it up to Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and if you're new, again, we're just we're walking through this letter uh, of Ephesians. And if you don't ever really know what to do when you pick up your Bible at home, if you're trying to do a quiet time but you don't know what to read, I encourage you, read through the book of Ephesians. It's an easy read. There's a lot of really good stuff in there. But we are in chapter 2 right now, verse 11. Um, as uh, Pastor Stewart mentioned, you can download the ACF Church app and all the scriptures will be on there as well. But let's, let's look at this together. Chapter 2, verse 11 says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. So we're going to stop there. So this letter is written by a man named Paul. Paul's in prison, and he planted this church in Ephesus, loves this church of people. There are a lot of young believers, a lot of new believers, a lot of people who probably haven't been completely identified with Christ yet. Like, there are people in this room here today, like, you're, you're here at church as, a partici- as, as, a, as somebody who's, like, observing, but you're not really participating yet. Right? I mean, some of you are like, you're here just checking church out. Maybe you're not a Christian, or maybe you, you are a believer, but you're kind of holding God at a, an arm's length at this point. And you haven't really let, let uh, Christ flow out of you yet. He's not really in your identity. And, and so he's, he's writing to this crowd of people who are mostly Gentiles. So I spoke about Apple and then everybody else. This is how it was for the Jews and the Gentiles. If you were a Jew, you were part of God's chosen people, part of the in crowd, and you were, ascent, you were circumcised as a male as a symbol that you were part of God's chosen people. That's what that was about. But then there was everybody else, and the term for everybody else is Gentile. And a Gentile is anybody that wasn't part of God's chosen race, this, this chosen group of people. And you can imagine there was, there was tension there. There was separation there. And there were people like looking in at each other going, hey, you don't, you don't participate in all the, the laws and the ordinances of, of Judaism. You know, you're not, you're not as good as us, you know. And the people over here who are like, you know, we're not part of this religious system that you're a part of, you know. And there was, there was a lot of tension. And he's, he's writing to this crowd of people that I think is a lot of us, a lot like us, because we are the Gentiles. You guys know that, right? I mean, most of you, unless you're of Jewish lineage, which most of you probably are not, you are the Gentiles. We are, the, are, are those outsiders that he's writing to. And he, he says, you were called the uncircumcision. Like, can you imagine? Like, that's a, that's a name for you, right? That's a name that you were called, the uncircumcision. So you can, like, call each other that as you leave church today. So, hey, what's up? So 
you are called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. Essentially, again, like they were identified by what they didn't have, by, by the fact that they were not circumcised. And so they had circumcision, which set them apart as the Jews. Praise God, we have something called baptism, right? That's, that's Tell me, praise God for that, right? We don't have like a circumcision team. We're not like, you know, you can serve in coffee or greeting or circumcision, you know. We don't have like circumcision Sunday. Um, the highlight videos would be really weird. So anyway, um, did he say that? Um, anyway, scratch that off the notes. So anyway, so we are part of that crowd that, that is not part of the, the, the people of God. And Paul... Paul was, was a Jew of Jews. The man writing this letter was a religious nut job that was killing Christians because of what he believed. And so this man, this Paul, has had this transformation in his life. He's realized that, realized that all of the religious duties that he ever was a part of, that just meant nothing in light of what Jesus is. That Jesus brings freedom from all that, and what people need is Christ. And so he's, he's writing to the outcast. You and I, the outcast. He's saying, he's saying, remember at that time. And I love it at, at, at verse 12. He talks a lot about remembering throughout the book of Ephesians. He says, remember. Remember who you were. Because we need to remember what it's like to be on the outside. You need to remember what it's like. If you're a Christian and, and your story is this. Yeah, I've been a believer my whole life. Yeah, like uh, my parents are Christians. I'm a Christian. I just, you know. You probably don't have a story that, that maybe you're not as connected as you should be to the story of feeling on the outside, you know? If you've been part of ACF Church for a while, you just show up here, you have people that you know, you know where to go, you know how to check the kids in. You've forgotten what it's like to show up here and be the new guy that knows nobody, that doesn't feel like you really fit in. And what he's trying to do is encourage them to remember who they are, remember where you've come from. And if you're here today and you don't know that feeling of being an outsider, I want to encourage you to find a place where you can be the minority. I want you to find a place where you can be on the outside and then just deal with some of what comes out of your heart in that moment. Uh, we were traveling a couple of years ago, and uh, we were going to Jordan, and on the way we landed in Europe, and then uh, we, we landed in Paris. And so I got out of the airplane in Paris and, uh, and then walked out into the terminal and it was the first time I'd ever traveled abroad. And when I got in there, I realized, like, I'm so different from this crowd of people. Like, I looked totally different from these Europeans. Have you been to Europe? I mean, it's like they're wearing all black. They're very tall and slender. They've got their boots. Nobody's talking to each other, right? They've got their briefcases. Everybody looks angry, right? And they're just kind of, they're not angry. But they just, it's a different culture. And I've got like, you know, a loose hoodie on and a hat, probably like a sign over my head that says American. And I'm walking around. I don't know the language. I don't know where to go. I can't read the signs. And I just, I had this tension in me. And I realized, like, I need to feel that more often. I need that feeling of being on the outside because I think I'm kind of complacent about it. You know, I go to the store. I know what to buy. I know where to go. You know, if I get lost somewhere, I can just ask directions, right? I can talk to people. It's really easy when you're in situations that you're comfortable with to never know what it feels like to be on the outside. And he's telling these people, he's telling these Gentiles, you were on the outside. You were not part of the family of God. You were not part of the chosen people. Remember this so that you can appreciate what you have. 
so that you can appreciate the grace that you have, that Jesus came and he gives you access to God and invites you into the family of God, as we talked about last week and a couple weeks ago, that you are now sons and daughters, heirs to the throne, that you are part of the family of God. And I love that. I love that we get to be part of that. He says that you were, at that time, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Having no hope. What's it like to be hopeless? What's it like to be born into a situation that's just kind of hopeless? Now, depending on your background, you might be very familiar with this. Maybe you were born into a home where it was really just a mess, and, and you didn't choose it, it was chosen for you. You know, maybe you came into a, a situation where you were in a really bad neighborhood, and so you just kind of had to deal with some of the tension in that neighborhood and just kind of try to figure out, who am I? And you struggled through that. Maybe you've been born with some health issues, and you felt like, I didn't choose this, but this feels hopeless. He's like, remember what that feels like. That's the feeling of being without Christ, not able to get access to God, being completely hopeless. I love verse 13, but now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen, right? Amen. You guys awake? You still with me? Talking, pastor's talking about racism. It's awkward. I get it. I get it. He says, you were brought near by the blood of Christ. This is cool. He's talking about reconciliation between humanity and God, that because of Jesus, you can be reconciled to God. Now, I don't know what you're doing to try to get reconciled to God. Um, I don't know what you've tried to do. Most people who aren't Christians have a series of things that they try to do to, to hope that God will let them into heaven someday. He's saying, listen, none of that works. None of that works. You've failed at all of it. And, and he's even talking like, he's going to talk about the law here in just a second. He's going to talk about how like this whole law like, was abolished by Christ. All the ceremonies and all the things that the Jews had to do, it was all to help identify them, their need for grace and their need for a Savior. It was, all to, it was never a way of, of making them acceptable before God. And so he's going to get into this in verse 14. He says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. He's saying, hey, listen, Gentiles, you don't need to go and be circumcised to be part of the family of God. Amen, right? Amen for these people, especially. They're like, because that would be very difficult, right? But he's like, you don't need to go do this. You don't need to go act like a Jew to be part of the family of God. I've broken down all of that law, all those ordinances, all those ceremonies that, that the Jews took part in, and all I want you to do is just come to Jesus. By the blood of Christ, you can be part of the family. He says basically that there were two different kinds of people, Jews and Gentiles. Now there's just one person under Christ. What are the two kinds of people in your world? Like what is it right now? Is it black and white? Is it rich or poor? You know, is it, is it kind of popular, unpopular? What are, the, what are the classes that you tend to put people in? And he's like, hey, I know there were different classes and that you, there was this kind of in crowd and outside crowd, but now there's just one crowd under Christ. And as you look at the Bible, what you see is that in God's eyes, as he looks at the world, there's only two kinds of people. There's those who are in Christ and those who are not. And so I wonder for you, I wonder if, if those are the two classes that you see. 
Because as the church, if you're a Christian here today, as believers, those are the only two classifications that should exist in our eyes. If we've been reconciled to God, then all that matters to us is do you know Jesus? That's it. That's all that matters. Do you know Jesus or don't you? And if you don't, I want to to tell you about him. But as the family of God, that's what matters to us. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male or female. You are all once one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. There's no more of this. We're one family under God. Now, the question is, like in the video, what's your common? Like, what would you do to connect with somebody who's different than you? How far would you go? There's this guy named Timothy that's uh, one of Paul's apprentices. And uh, Timothy is so dedicated as, as a guy trying to go and do ministry to the Jews. You know what he does? He gets circumcised, right? How many of you are that committed to the mission, right? If we're like, hey, guys, we're going to go do ministry to this crowd of people. We're all going to go get circumcised. Men are like, what? I'm going to go to a different church, right? I mean, seriously, think about it. Like, how far would you go? Where, where's your line in terms of, like, Something that's going to cost you something, something that's going to be a risk or a challenge to you. Like, how far would you go to reach into another culture to bring the good news of Jesus? What are you willing to pay for it? This guy, Timothy, was willing to go <laughs> that far um, to, to meet these people where they were at. Now, for Timothy, like, this didn't make him acceptable to God. He wasn't doing some kind of religious duty so that God would love him. He was simply doing something that would be the common that for them, for the Jews, was a big deal. He was doing, he was creating a common so that he could relate to them on a relational level. So what's your common? What's the thing that you need to do to reach into a different culture, to connect with people who are different than you? And I love this term. It says, killing the hostility. Thereby killing the hostility. I love that it doesn't say, thereby coddling the the hostility, right? Thereby eh, diminishing the hostility, you know? Thereby maybe like cloaking or hiding the hostility. He says, because of Christ, because of what he's done in your heart, it kills the hostility between you and people who are different than you. That's what happens. That's why the church should lead the way in this. That's why we as, if you're a Christian here today, as, as a believer, that we lead the way in reaching in to cultures that are different than us. So Paul's going to go on to talk about now how we relate to God. He's been talking a lot about this horizontal relationship between us and other people, and now he's going to talk about how we relate to God because of this, this vertical reconciliation that we have between us and God. He says in verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to one spirit to the Father. And I, I love this. One spirit. I think Paul's being really intentional about using that word one. He wants them to know there's not like different spirits for different people. Like God didn't create like, like here's the God, you know, for rich people. You know, here's the God for white people. You know, Here, here's, the, here's the God for, for poor people. Like he, he, there's one God, there's one spirit. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, 
you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So he's like, hey, you guys, we're building a house together. He's saying, like, any builders? Anybody build stuff in the room? You guys built a house? A few of you guys kind of construction type of people? If you've built anything, you know that you need a lot of things to build a house. You need a lot of things. You can't build a house of nails. You can't build a house of, uh, you know, of two-by-fours, of plywood. You need houses that are built of a lot of different pieces and a lot of different parts. And he's like, hey, family of God, Christians, we need all of you from everywhere. We need every single part coming together with what is the cornerstone? What do you say? Who's the cornerstone? Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone. So the thing that sets us up to be a house, the thing that keeps us aligned and straight and standing is Christ Jesus as our cornerstone, joined together as a structure, growing into a holy temple in the Lord. That's cool, right? That's cool. That's why the people of our community should look in at the church and be like, what is it that keeps them together? Like, they they should be able to look in these doors and see that, hey, there's a lot of different people from different places, but there's something that unifies them. What is it? We know, and Paul's saying, it's the Spirit of God within us. The Spirit of God joining us together, all of the pieces gluing us together. So, the, the title of this morning was this, Are We Really All the Same? Are we really all the same? And I love that throughout this, he's not telling you to let go of your heritage, He's not telling you that you can't appreciate where you've come from. Like, appreciate it. I love, again, he doesn't tell the Jews, go become Gentiles. Or the Gentiles, like, go become Jews. He just says, no, because of Jesus, we all have access to God. So Jesus is our common. Jesus is the thing that brings us together. And I would encourage you, and I, I challenge you, I bet that there's more commons than that. I bet if you sat in a ball pit with somebody who is different than you, you'd probably find a lot more in common than you realize. But I wonder right now, if there's people in the room today uh, and you're thinking, like, I would, I would just never do that. Like, I don't really want to be around people that are different than me. Like, like, I would never do this. I said this in the last service. I was like, hey, if you don't ever feel like the outsider, go for a walk down a mountain view. And I saw the heads go like, <laughs> nope, right? Because I don't know how many shootings we, we hear about in mountain view. But, like, people are like, no way. Like, I'm not doing that. And I, I get it because, like, our highest goal in life is to be safe right? Like our highest goal in life is to protect us, ourselves, protect our family. That, like that is the greatest goal in life. But I wonder, like, I wonder if we're missing something. I, I wonder if that shouldn't be the case. Like I wonder if there's a, a bigger thing that we're, we're able to be a part of potentially if you're willing to risk what it means to risk to be part of the kingdom of God. And I wonder if there's people in the room today that you're like, yeah, I've been riding the fence for a long time. And most of the time when, when I hear things like this in church, I, I just think that's for somebody else. That's not for me. But I would say that we all probably have some prejudice within us. I would say, here's the thing. There are all-out racists. There are people who are racist, and they know it, and they flaunt it. And then there are people over here who are just ignorant. Right? And, and you're just, you don't know why when you see that on the news, you just start kind of boiling. Right? Or you don't know why when you pass that person, you just start casting judgment on that person. I mean, you don't know why. You're just like, I don't know. I've never really spent the time to figure out like where, it, where it's coming from. There's something inside of me that flares up when I see these kind of people. The Bible's so clear. Go all the way back to the beginning. What we see is that all people are created in the image of God. Therefore, every human being is intrinsically valuable. Everyone. Every single one. Not 
I found this quote um, from another teacher, so I totally stole it because it was so good. Um, this is really good. It's, it's from this guy who's the chair of life science at NIT, and he's a molecular biologist and not like an evangelical Christian, but he, he's been doing a lot of research about, uh, about who we are and where we come from genetically, and I want to read this for you. It says this, Despite notions to the contrary, there is only one human race. Our single race is independent of geographical origin, ethnicity, culture, color of skin, or shape of eyes. We all share a single phenotype, the same or similar observable anatomic features and behaviors. He's saying, hey, wherever you go, uh, the heart's about the same, the lung's about the same, you know, the blood vessels are about the same. Like People are built really similar. He says, science highlights these similarities in our embryonic development, physiology, biochemistry, and more recently, genomics. As a molecular biologist, this last one is indeed the most important to me. Data shows that the DNA of any two human beings is 99.9% identical. Isn't that amazing? And we all share the same set of genes, scientifically validating the existence of a single biological human race and one origin for all human beings. In short, we are all brothers and sisters. Tell me that's not cool. Come on. Come on, that's awesome. I mean, how cool is that? And you hear this language in, you know, like old school church, like, hey, brother, right? But the whole brother thing or hey, sister is, is really like, it's a statement of where we come from. And it's, a, it's again, it's a statement of solidarity. Like we're part of the same family. We're part of the same family. We're coming from the same place. There's only one thing that divides us. Are you in Christ or are you not? Are you here today? And you're seeking out information, and you're learning, and you're interested in it, but you're not really in Christ. And if you're honest, you have not been living that way. If you're honest, when you talk about your identity, like, you don't identify with Christ. You might identify as Christian, but you don't identify with Christ, which to me is not salvation. Think about it. You might say, I'm a Christian, just as much as I could say, I am a Porsche 911. That doesn't matter to anybody, right? If you don't identify with Christ, if, if he's not the identity that flows from you, if, if the way that you live, if as you come to church and as you live your life, you don't live a life of participating in the family of God, you live a life observing the family of God, then you're still on the outside. You're still, you're still somebody who has never identified with him and received this new identity in Christ. I want you to write a couple things down here real quick. Grab your notes if you have them. The first thing is this. Identity is not skin deep. It's soul deep. We've been talking about this the whole time. When I ask you who you are, you guys might say, I am a mechanic, I'm a mom, I'm a student, you know. You might, you might go to your heritage, you might talk about, like, I am Scottish, you know. Like, like you might talk about where you were born. You might talk about, your, like, well, I'm a, I'm a business owner, I'm a doctor, like, I come from this background. You might identify with what you do, but I believe our identity is not skin deep whether it be your race or something that you've done in your life, it's soul deep. That's why we go to God as the highest authority to figure out who are we. Are we in Christ or are we not? Are we in Adam as, as, uh, as the Bible calls it? And I would say this too, like I was thinking about this. If you're here and you're like trying to identify where are my biases, like where do I discriminate? Where do I tend to kind of flare up when it comes to being around somebody who's different? I would ask you, identify what the thing is that you tend to get your identity from 
And that will be the place that you tend to have the most bias. And that will be the, 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 the place that I think the enemy uses most to draw out your discrimination and your places of segregation. So, like, to, to give an example, like, if I identify a, as somebody who worked hard and built a business from nothing. Like, I built this business up from nothing. My parents didn't give me a thing, and I grew up, and I just, like, I went and got a job, and I made myself, like, I'm a self-made man, and I made a bunch of money. I drive a nice car. I've got a nice house, and I did it all myself. You know who you're going to struggle with? Poor people, homeless people, people who you don't think work enough, right? If, if you identify with your race, if you're like, what I am primarily is I'm a white dude. Like, that's what I am. Who I am is that. If I identify with my heritage and I'm proud of my heritage, if I identify with that, then I'm going to have the strongest opinions and I'm going to struggle the most with people of different heritages. Like where do you identify the most and you're going to draw out some of that discrimination and that segregation that you find in your life? You know, and and it stinks because you know what? We really need each other. You know that, don't you? Like we, I need you guys. I need you in my life. I need people who are different, and I think we know this intuitively because what do we do? We, we go find somebody who is completely different than us. We choose to spend the rest of our lives with them arguing about how different we are, and we call it marriage, right? Oh, married people, right? That's, how, that's what we do. We're like, hey, who's so different than me? Uh, that, that they're going to they're gonna, like, be a good compliment to me. And then we go marry them, and we're like, wow, this is hard, right? My wife, Amanda, is so different. Like, she, is, she could not be more different than me. She, uh, like, I met her, and I'm like, she can balance the checkbook. That's awesome. And so I was really attracted to that. Like, she says she's going to do something, and she actually does it. That's super, that's, that's great. Or she's on time to everything. She's five minutes early. She's the whole, like, who's, a, like, a time Nazi, who, like, in the room? Yeah, if you don't show up on time, like, I'm totally disrespected. Like, we're not friends anymore if you don't show up on time. For her, it's a big deal show up on time. And so I loved that. We were dating. We were complimenting each other. Then we got married. And I'm like, what was I thinking? This is so hard. This is so difficult. And I'm sure she said the same thing. What was I thinking? Like he leaves his junk all over the house and he doesn't put his shoes away. And like, but we, but we need each other. And here we are years down the road, married, growing. And it's challenged me so much to be with my wife, but she is the best thing for me. I know it. And I need that in my life. Number two, write this down. We've all had souls of the outcast. We have all had souls of the outcast. If you're a Christian, you need to spend some time thinking about when you weren't. Now, some of you were brought up in the church, and, uh, and you just, like, you don't really have that memory of, like, transitioning from, um, you know, I didn't know Jesus, now I do. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about what your life would be like if Jesus wasn't in it. I want you to think about who you would be without Jesus. I want you to think about your natural tendencies that I think because of Christ, like I think he works in our lives and hopefully starts to help us to grow more like him. But I want you to think about the things you do naturally that you have to fight off and then multiply that times 10 and then think, oh yeah, that's me without Jesus. And we need to spend time thinking about that and appreciating that because that's what's going to help us to relate to other people. This is why... We are so dedicated as a church to being here for our city, to inviting our friends to church. Like, when's the last time you looked at somebody and you're like, hey, you know, uh, come to church with me. Like, I don't know, I don't know if you go to church, I don't know what your background is, but hey, we, I've got this place, 
Um, I think it's a place that you can call home. We are so dedicated to this because we know that we all, as the church, have had the souls of the outcast. And if you don't have a heart for the lost, if you don't have a heart for your friends, it's probably because you've forgotten where you've come from. And sometimes we just need to slow down and think about where we come from. And I would, I would even go so far as to say this. I would say that you can't be reconciled to God and reject your neighbor. Like, by the nature of being reconciled to God, by God taking us in, we who did not deserve to be part of the family of God, by God taking us in, it forces us to, to have sympathy and empathy towards those who are not part of the family of God. Like, you can't be rescued from that and look out and not think that, man, I, I just I can't imagine this neighbor, this friend, this coworker not knowing what it's like to have peace with their creator. And if you can, if you're like, that's hey, just not that big of a deal in my life, I think you've forgotten where you've come from. I think you've maybe forgotten your history. Number three, Jesus turns fragments into the family. He turns fragments, pieces, little broken parts into the family of God. I love this. Matthew 28, 19. says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now I read this. It's called the Great Commission. I read this passage this week and it struck me that when he says Go make disciples of all nations. That word nations, that's where we get, we get the word ethnicity. That's where we get the word ethnicity. So when he says nations, we think boundary lines. We think a map. We think, well, there's the U.S. and Canada and Mexico. And we think of Russia. Over here. We think of all these different nations. When he says nations, he means people groups, ethnicities. You guys, that's right in this room here today, let alone out in the city that we live in. As we said earlier, like, you can go fulfill the Great Commission in our parking lot. You don't have to get on an airplane. Go into the nations. That's a, the command that we would go love people who are different than us, is what he's saying. Go care for people who are so different from you. Cross boundaries to share the love of Jesus. Now, I know there's a lot coming up against this. I know there is. I know you're probably comfortable with the friends you have. Uh, you're probably comfortable in the workplace that you're in. Um, you're probably comfortable in the culture that you're used to rubbing shoulders with. Uh, you've probably got some biases and some, some preconceived notions that may not be right about people around you. Um, maybe you're obsessed with the wrong things. I just, I didn't even know if I was going to go into it, but like, you know, the whole bathroom thing with Target, you guys watching this on social media? I mean, the internet's blowing up about this. And I just... As a pastor, like, I'm, I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm like, oh, what's the church going to do, right? Some of you guys are like, I'm more uncomfortable now than I was earlier, but I'm thinking, like, what is the church going to do? What are the Christians going to do? Like, how are we going to deal with a situation like this? How, how will we respond? And people have been all over the map, just like visceral anger towards others because of this whole situation. And, and I just, I wonder, again, this is, you we're talking about dealing with people who might be different than you. And I wonder if you're more dedicated to loving people or making a point, right? Like, I wonder if you're, you're more about your principles or about the people that we're here to love. And I know somebody's going to probably catch me after church because of this. But 
I feel like we got to talk about stuff like this, you guys, because again, you're going you're gonna to have to deal with culture shift. You're going to have to deal with a world that's always changing. And I wonder for you, the culture is going to try to get you to focus on one issue. And they're going to try to make this issue the issue, when the only issue is, do you know Jesus? That's the issue, guys. I'm telling you. Because when people know Jesus, everything else comes together. When people know Jesus, our, our city will change. Our culture will change. I know you're afraid. I know there's like parents who are scared, not just in this thing, but as I talk about like going into a different culture, dealing with people who are different than you. As I say like, hey, take your family into Mountain View, you're like, no stinking way. Like, like you're just afraid. You're just going to get shot, you know, of, because you're walking down the street. Is there a chance of risk by doing the ministry of God? Certainly there is. But I wonder, I wonder if you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. Like, I wonder if you can really, like, you can get everything you wanted. You can die a happy, safe, you know, scar-free corpse and have never interacted with the kingdom of God. I wonder, like, and I just think, you know, like, you know what I can do? Think about what you can do. You can go stand in our parking lot and you can just tell anybody that walks through about Jesus. You can. You can go downtown. You can go walk on a street. You can tell anybody about Jesus. Talk about your faith. Talk about what you believe. You can, you can go to work, and for the most part, depending on the situation, you can share in a conversation that, that you believe in Jesus, that you have faith. You have freedom to do all of that. And I, I just wonder, have we missed it? Are we focused on the wrong things? Have we drawn boundaries between us and people and missed the greater picture of the kingdom of God that we're supposed to be bringing to earth? Again, what matters to you? Do you know Jesus? That's what matters. So I want to ask you today. Is Jesus what you identify with? Is he your identity? Again, even in the, into the sexual thing, people identify sexually different ways. But you know what? You know who's your greatest identity? Jesus. That's who I identify, identify with. Only Jesus. And I want that to be you for, for everybody in the room. I want you to leave here and know, like, I identify with Jesus. That's who I am. He is who determines who I am. And... And I want you to think about how far you've come from. Think about God himself. Holy, set apart, different than us. Couldn't be more different than us. I mean, think about the filth that's come out of your lips. Think about the thoughts that in your, are in your head. And then think about a God that is so completely different. And he says, you know what? I'm going to go be with them. I'm going to put on the skin of humanity, and I'm not just going to go be with them. I'm not just going to walk around with them. I'm going to literally die for them. I'm going to die for people that, that cursed me and hated me. The Bible says that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. That's the God that we love. I wonder, does your life look like that? Are you willing to lean into those relationships? Are you willing to be with people who are so completely different? Does your life reflect the love that's been poured out on you? Let's pray together. Jesus, we need your grace. I know these topics bring up all kinds of feelings and emotions. Um, God, we've all got stories and things that we've gone through, things that we've struggled with. There's a lot of opinions in this room, God, and I just, God, I ask that you would help us to see the most important things. God, I pray for, for us as the church that we wouldn't get caught off in the weeds, focused on things that, um, our peripheral things, that we could have honest conversation. God, that we could focus on what is right. God, we would stand firm on the things that mattered most to Jesus and should matter most to us. Are people part of the family of God or are they not? And God, that we would see ourselves as, 
as missionaries to our local city, missionaries to people who are on the outside, who are just trying to make peace with God and feel some peace for themselves. God, people who just, they have history and stories and pain that they just wish they could get some, some peace from. God, I know you're the answer to that. I know Jesus is the answer to that, God. And I pray that we could be the church and that we would present you to the world around us. God, as we worship, I pray that you could just change some things in our hearts. I pray we'd be able to root out some of the, God, some of the wounds within us, that we'd root out the part of us that doesn't want to be with people who are different. And God, that you would allow us to absorb the heart of Christ for people around us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you.